If you have your Bible, I want to invite you to be turning to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, I want to say thank you to uh, the praise team and thank you uh, to Justin for stepping in and leading. Uh, Kevin uh, had a bit of a health concern this weekend. He's doing okay. Uh, we got word about that this morning, but he needed uh, to be away today. So please uh, be in prayer uh, for Kevin this week. Louis Klops was born in Germany, um, but he moved to New York at the age of two, and he grew up there. Uh, by age 20, he had begun a career in journalism, followed by a lifetime of service in the printing and publishing business. In 1890, he became the American editor of the British weekly, The Christian Herald, newspaper that remained in print for over 130 years. On June 19, 1899, while writing an editorial for the newspaper, Klops noticed these words from Luke, chapter 22, verse 20. This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. He was impressed by the symbolism of the blood. So Klops asked a trusted publishing colleague if Christ's words could be printed in red in his colleague replied, it could do no harm, and it most certainly could do much good. So an initial red letter edition of 60,000 King James Version New Testaments soon sold out. President Theodore Roosevelt was so encouraged by the red letter Bible that he invited Louis Klotsch to dinner. Throughout the 20th century, red letter editions became standard in nearly all traditional and modern translations. And while other trends in Bible publishing have come and gone, the red letter option appears to be a fixed feature, welcomed and demanded by many Bible readers all over the world. So today uh, we begin a series that I'm calling The Red Letters. Uh, we've been in a series called Follow Me where we've examined and explored Jesus' invitation with two simple words, to follow me. And so for the next several weeks, I want us to take a look at what Jesus said, the words that were important to him. And can I tell you that after 43 years on this earth, I've become convinced of one thing. That's the teaching of Jesus is not just the right way, but it's the best way. And so his words don't just give us purpose in the life after, but they also give us purpose and meaning in our lives today. John chapter one, verse one, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. And a few verses later in John 1, 14, the Word became flesh, and it dwelt among us, set up a tent in the neighborhood, as one translation says. So I can't think of a better place to begin with Jesus' words than in Matthew chapter 5, his first sermon, and his longest recorded sermon. Matthew 5, verse 1. Follow along with me. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, 
he went up on a mountainside and he sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, and here's the red letters, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I want to pause right there and I want us to just notice how you begin matters. And Jesus doesn't begin his sermon with a bunch of commands. Thou shalt have a certain order for your worship. Thou shalt. And he didn't, he didn't have all these commands that he began. He doesn't begin with commands. He begins with blessing, commonly referred to as the Beatitudes. The only way that we can live the values of the kingdom is through God's blessing. One scholar translates this word as flourishing. Jesus offers his people what it means to to flourish. Another paraphrase translation says it this way, verse 3, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. Have you had moments or feel like that there are seasons in your life or that you're in a season right now where you feel like you're at the end of your rope? Maybe work has been so stressful that you feel like you're at the end of your rope. Maybe that situation with your child, you feel like you're at the end of your rope. Maybe, maybe it's church. I feel like I've tried and I've tried and I'm at the end of my rope. Maybe you just feel stuck and my life is having no impact and you feel like you're at the end of your rope or you've lost a loved one and it feels like you're at the end of your rope or, or your, your time with a loved one is, is fleeting and you're at the end of your rope. Maybe you're at the end of your rope with news and politics. Frederick Dell Brunner says that the purpose of every command in the Sermon on the Mount is to drive its hearers back to the first beatitude. Blessed are the poor in spirit. So as we look at the sermon of Jesus, let's keep coming back to this reminder. With less of you, there is more of God. Blessed are the poor in spirit, the spiritually bankrupt. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 4 says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Sometimes it's it's hard to believe Jesus. It's those words that uh, Justin shared just a moment ago. I I believe, but help my unbelief. And and sometimes it's hard to believe Jesus when when he says that places of mourning can become places of blessing. Some scholars suggest that Jesus is only talking about mourning for sin, but I believe that Jesus is saying more here. One translation says that you're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. In deep sadness, citizens of the kingdom of God's hands are in God's hands more than any other time. Uh, Some of you have experienced this indescribable embrace from God. 
And it's not, I'm not standing up here this morning and saying that it's some warm and fuzzy feeling or, or some, some, some everything's going to be okay platitude. But it's this deep experiential encounter that says, Jesus is real. Many of you have been praying for the Mastriani family. You got to sit with Luke a few times this week, and Lanny got to sit with Kennery. If you're new to our church, Luke has been walking through pancreatic cancer. My devotional yesterday was titled, The Wilderness of Grief. Growing up, I had this perception of the preacher. My perception of the preacher growing up was that he was this superhuman, that he had this special connection with God, and there was really, you know, he was protected from a lot of things. Can I tell you what I've learned after 13 years of being your preacher? I'm about as human as they get. I grieve. I hurt. I feel pain. I didn't ask for this calling. But when God says, follow me. We don't get to choose often what that looks like. We step in faithfully and we follow. Many of you have been praying, and I'm so grateful. Jesus declares blessing for those who experience the wilderness because it's often in the wilderness that we are formed more deeply into the image of Christ. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, verse 5, for they will inherit the earth. Meek is a word that's lost much of its meaning in English. Perhaps the best definition of meek is Jesus. Think about his trial in Matthew 26 and 27. We don't see weakness, yet neither do we see a great deal of aggression. We, we, we see this impression of poise. Uh, many of you have likely seen this image from last week's Super Bowl of Travis Kelsey and Coach Andy Reid. Uh, through careful video investigation, it was finally discovered what Kelsey said. This next slide. <laughs> booster, booster, be a booster and boost your Bible school. Now, all kidding aside, I, I want to be careful and I want to be clear. Abuse of any form is not acceptable, whether it be verbal, emotional, or physical. The reason I show you this is not to make light of that reality. The reason I show you this is because of what I couldn't help but observe. Look at that first picture again. And that was the non-anxious presence of Coach Andy Reid. Jesus said, blessed are the meek. Another translation says, you're, you're blessed when you're content 
with just who you are, no more, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. It's the poise of not having to assert oneself. Wait a minute. That's counter to getting big. That's counter to to being aggressive and volatile and making sure people know that I'm right in order to get what I want or what I deserve. Jesus says, real flourishing occurs when you are content with who you are in me. Verse 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they will be filled. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's he's food and drink in the best meal you'll ever eat. The Beatitudes are, are not to be turned into spiritual conditions that when fulfilled will merit God's grace. Now God God helps people who seek help simply because they need help, not because they've met all these spiritual conditions or they've gone through the checklist of of receiving what he has to offer. So watch this. The hungry for righteousness are blessed not for a possessed righteousness, but for a desired one. Later in the sermon, Jesus is going to say, seek first the kingdom and what? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You can't separate those two. If you, if you study the kingdom of God uh, to seek to live under the rule of God, then you're going to seek God's righteous ways. Jesus told his disciples in John 4, I've got food for you that you don't even know anything about. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. If you've been stuck, get on your knees and pray this week, God, make me hungry. Make me thirsty for you. Can you imagine what God could do in a church that became hungry and thirsty for God and his kingdom mission? Verse 7, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. You're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, you find yourselves cared for. In God's economy, once he extends his mercy to us, he intends that we hand it over to others. Uh, Several weeks ago, I I had one of those days. Uh, It was a Sunday. And contrary to popular opinion, it's not always easy like Sunday morning in my role. And so after I preached, I had a conversation uh, with a family who had lost a loved one. Just sat with them in that grief for a few few moments. And after that, I I met with a family who uh, was walking through a a terminal illness, sat in that grief for a moment. Then I met with a a family who was uh, leaving our church, sat in that for a few moments. Uh, And then I had to go back into my office and get uh, hastily get all my things boxed up, not because I was leaving, but because we were having some work done. And so I had to get it all out that afternoon and 
By this time, it was, it was 5 o'clock in the evening, and I'm making my way home because I had promised my daughter I would take her out to dinner for her half-birthday date. And I'm coming down 65, and I decide I'm going to call my mom just to check in. My dad's health's not been great lately, so I try to check in as often as I can. So I'm on the, ho- on the phone, hands-free, in my car, on the phone, hands-free, and I'm getting off of the exit, and as I'm getting off, I, I don't hit my blinker, and I cut off another car. Now, there was no accident. There was no physical harm done, but I look back, and I have cut off a police officer. And so he was kind enough to uh, let me know what I had done. <laughs> and, and I'm, you know, just trying to uh, take it as it comes. And, and so I, I, I just, you know, get the ticket from him. He gives me a ticket and, and I say, you know, look, hey, I'm, I'm a preacher. I don't use that card often, but I was like, you know what the Bible says about giving preachers a ticket on Sunday. Actually, I didn't say that. But I did tell him I was a preacher, and he looked at me and he said, you're a preacher? <laughs> I was like, what does that say about me? He said, I can't, I can't do anything, but I, you know, I, you know, I may talk to my boss about it. So I go in uh, last week to, to pay the ticket. Pay my debts to society. And I walk up to the clerk, hand her the ticket. I said, I'm here to, to pay my fine. She types it in the system. She looks me right in the eye and says, your ticket has been voided. Have a good day. It's nice to be a preacher every now and then. <laughs> Well, one of the things that I realized as I received that gift of mercy was that the past week or so I've driven a little differently. I've had a little more more mercy for those that are driving around me. And in Birmingham, you need a lot of mercy, amen? (laughs) Especially on 280. Because often in my life, before I can be merciful, I have to be reminded of my deep need for mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. You're blessed when you, you get your inside world, your mind and your heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. I love that song that we sang a few moments ago. Pure were in heart, O God, help me to be. Our staff is going through uh, what we're calling a discipleship cohort. You're going to hear more about that in the coming weeks and months. But it's really just an opportunity for us to practice the way of Jesus 
through listening, uh, through prayer, listening through scripture, and listening through mission. So yesterday uh, morning, my, my heart was just unsettled and anxious. I got up around four o'clock in the morning. I came and sat where Julia is sitting right there. This place is meant to be filled with people. But can I just tell you that it's, it's pretty great when it's just me in here. It's me and God. And in that time of solitude, I was reminded that you're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and your heart put right. Verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. Have you ever noticed how few people appreciate a peacemaker? Those people who refuse to get drawn into the confusion and hostility of the day? Think about someone right now whose presence creates peace. And I'm not talking about false peace. Peace is not necessarily the absence of conflict. That can be false peace. So true peace is not necessarily the absence of conflict, but rather it's the presence of Jesus in someone's life. Would you reach out to the person that you had on your mind this week and just thank them for being a peacemaker in your life? Verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You're blessed when, when your commitment to God provokes persecution. This persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Verse 11, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. At his father's funeral, New Testament scholar Stanley Howash said that too often the Beatitudes are turned into ideals we must strive to attain. As ideals, they can become formulas for power rather than descriptions of the kind of people characteristic of the new age brought by Christ. Thus, Jesus does not tell us that we should try to be poor in spirit or meek or peacemakers. He simply says that many who are called into the kingdom will find themselves so constituted. Our culture tells us that the good life is about having all the stuff that you want. The good life is, is having the, the perfect family or the perfect friends. The good life is being able to retire early. Instead of blessing the one who pursues human wisdom, instead of blessing the one who has a perfect family, instead of blessing the one who absorbs Torah and gets it all right, or the one who develops a reputation as righteous or as leader, Jesus blesses those whom no one else blessed. Scholar Scott McKnight puts it this way, a blessed person is someone who, because of a heart for God, 
is promised and enjoys God's favor regardless of that person's status or condition. In a day and age where we feel like we're living in a world that's cursed, be encouraged, church. As kingdom people, you are blessed. few practical takeaways this morning. One, I want to encourage us just to sit with this text this week, to read Matthew 5, 3 through 12 every day. I I timed it. It takes 45 seconds. But I don't want you to just rush through it. Maybe 45 seconds is all you have. 45 seconds is all you have. You may want to examine your life. But maybe 45 seconds is all you can muster up first thing in the morning. Let these words, these red letters, marinate in your heart this week. Spend some time. Maybe you read a different translation each day. Let's spend some time with this text. And the second one is asking the question after you read the text. How can I be a blessing to someone this week? If Jesus declares me as blessed, how can I be a blessing? Jesus goes on to say, as Chapman read for us earlier, verse 16, Matthew 5, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. It's a good word. It's Jesus' words. Let's pray this morning. So, Father, you tell us who we are. Fear does not have the last word. Sin does not have the last word. Death does not have the last word. Before you tell us what to do, you tell us, who we are. We are blessed. We are a blessed people who are created to flourish as citizens in your kingdom. Doesn't mean that life's going to be easy. Doesn't mean that life's always going to make sense. Doesn't mean that everything's going to fall out the way that we plan it to, but, but we're reminded that you're not a God who just sits up above us and tells us to figure it all out on our own, but you're a God who came down and dwelt among us, put on flesh, put on skin, and walked around the neighborhood. May we take comfort in knowing that we serve a God who is Emmanuel, God with us. Father, I pray for every person in this room. I pray for every person who is listening to my voice online. Father, I pray that you will do that which we cannot manufacture. You will take these words. You will imprint them into the hearts of your people. And that we will live accordingly as a blessed people. We ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.